Hey, come on. Celebrate and welcome all of our campuses. Hillsboro's back over there doing a, another watch party today, getting ready to launch. I was with somebody the other day, and uh, they're moving towards Hillsboro, and they're like, man, we saw the staff that you guys are sending over there right now. I said, you dag them right. We are sending our best to relaunch the Hillsboro campus. And so uh, if you live anywhere near Hillsboro, you are welcome to go back to that campus. But let's welcome them all. I'm talking about Garner, Sanford, online, the movement. Just celebrate the movement and welcome everyone. We are glad that you are here today. Hey, um, I just wanna go ahead and tell you before we, before we move any further, um, I'm grateful for you. Thursday is Thanksgiving. And uh, if you know anything about me, you know that it is my favorite holiday. Um, and I always, every time I say that, I always some, have some uber spiritual person who goes, well, you know, Jesus was born on Christmas. That should be more important than Thanksgiving. I know, I know. Or they'll say, you know, he, he rose on the dead, from the dead on Easter. That should, I know, okay? I love Christmas. I love Easter. But I, there's something pure and beautiful about Thanksgiving. It, it, it's void of all the crass commercialism of Christmas. There's something powerful about being grateful. And uh, I just want to say to the movement, those of you who are at campuses or those of you who are online, I'm so very grateful for each and every one of you. I'm honored to serve you. I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to love you. And I'm honored to navigate a tricky year like 2020 together. So happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I pray you have a great, great Thursday. So today, we turn our attention to a very important subject matter that, that the truth is, I believe in the church and let me just make it more specific, particularly in the contemporary church, I believe this is a subject matter that we have missed and we need to reclaim in the days ahead. In a very progressive way, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Peter. In a very progressive way, Peter is walking us through this series that we've called what? Unshakable. And if you'll remember the very first week, we talked about unshakable hope. Everybody say hope. Last week, we showed the way in which Peter connects hope. You really don't have eternal hope. I mean rock-solid hope unless it is connected to the grace of God. Everybody say grace. So last week was unshakable grace. This week, I want to talk to you about unshakable character. Unshakable character, or as the Bible likes to call it, holiness. Everyone say character. Everyone say holiness. I love how you're engaged so well with me today. You see, the truth is, once a person, or better yet, plural, a people, experience the unshakable hope of the gospel, as we said last week, and we get the hope connected to the grace, there is a trajectory on which believers should be thrust, whereby we are becoming, here it is, get ready. I know we don't like to think about us in this word, holy. And what I hope to do today is, is uh, give you permission to start seeing yourself with holiness potential. Seeing yourself with the potential of being an authentic person of character and that while you, before you walk out of here today, you commit to actually being on that journey. And here's a key word, pursuing holiness. First Peter, 
chapter two, verses nine and 10. If you love the word of the Lord, let me hear a strong amen. Here we go, all of our campuses. First Peter two, nine and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Here it is, a what? A holy nation. That's why we, we often refer to New Hope as the New Hope Nation. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may what, church? That you may what? Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Let's continue. Once, I love this, once you were not a people. Once we were not a people. I mean, just 19 years ago, we were not a people. But now you are the people of God. Everybody say amen. amen. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the word of the Lord is saying, hey, once you were not a people, but I called you, you're a chosen people, you're a royal people, and you are a holy nation. I'm just wondering today, can we just praise and celebrate God for calling us and creating us as a new hope people? God who is creating in us this holiness. What Peter starts to spell out for us here in chapter two is this natural progression whereby God's design, his divine design, is that we would start the process, the traditional church used to call it sanctification. We would start the, the process of sanctification where individuals and collectively as a community, we would start to take on the characteristics and the holiness of none other than Jesus Christ. We start to be transformed. Like I said, it's called sanctification, it's often called discipleship. Peter likes to refer to it, and I like to refer to it as holiness. I believe that new hope, when you strip it all away, should very well be a holiness movement. And I don't know what you think of when I say the word holy. I mean, if you grew up in the church, some of you might have bad images of it, but let's go get this word today because this is the progression that the gospel leads us through. In our time together today, I wanna unpack this word holy or holiness in hopes, come on, that you and I will make a lifelong commitment today to pursue holiness. The Lexham Theological Workbooks defines holiness as this. Holiness refers primarily to the quality of God denoting his transcendent apartness from the rest of creation, his uniqueness and his total purity. When the term is applied to people who have been touched by the presence of God or dedicated to God, it connotes the idea of being set apart. Time out. The word for church in the Greek is ekklesia. I see a lot of you taking notes. Way to go, ekklesia. E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A. The word ekklesia, church, means to be called out, means to be set apart. Connect that dot. Set apart for God and thus belonging to the realm of the divine, which is morally and ceremonially Pure. Notice holiness starts and continues and ends with God. And as we are touched, 
and live in relationship with God, we start to resemble the holiness and purity of God. And I know, I know, I know some of you have a hard time imagining that. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I have a hard time imagining that. But that is the progression of the gospel. So let's unpack it today. If you look at holiness through the biblical lens, there are three areas in which we see holiness defined. Three areas. Here they are in the Old and New Testament. God, places and things, and Christians. Holiness in the Bible is always connected to God, places or things, and Christians. Let's look at each of these individually. Let's start with God. I think we would all agree, right, that if God is anything, he is holy. Can I get an amen? What is interesting, though, is that in the Old and the New Testament, God the Father is referred to as holy. In the New Testament, most of the references to God as the Father, anyway, is in quotes referencing back to the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, what we see holiness most connected to is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Or as some of you grew up saying, Holy Ghost, right? How many of you grew up in tradition about Holy Ghost? If you, you got you, you know, Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> You've been there, right? You've done that. Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost. But throughout the scriptures, holiness begins and continues and ends with God. Let me show you what I mean. And you guys are so with me today, I'm gonna ask you to read some scripture with me. Isaiah 6, 3, ready, Go. And once called out to another, and one called out to another, and said, ready? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his. Let's continue. Go. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. He's a rock a foundation on which we can stand in the midst of the storms and the trials of life, and he is holy. Let's, let's read one more, come on, go. Your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Time out, not in my notes, but I need to unpack this a little bit. If you were here last week, you know that I talked about the grace of God and that on our best days, we don't measure up to the holiness of God, remember? And I talked about the gospel. It, the gospel bridges that great divide, that deafening divide. God bridges it through the holiness of his son. One of the mistakes we make in the Christian faith is that we hear that, we hear the purity of the gospel preached and we're like, we can't measure up, God's holy, I'm not. Christ fills the gap, so why do I need to worry about it? And then we become very complacent and lazy in our Christianity. Maybe another word is we become discouraged and we think, well, Jesus has got my back anyway, right? And when we do that, we miss the natural progression of sanctification that Christianity calls upon all of us and I believe all of us deeply desire. I mean, you know this, right? You know people. You can be a Christian and live a very jacked up life. You ever been around Christians and you're like, dude, is, is God doing anything in your life? 
Now, you gotta be careful because you can become judgmental in that, but you know what I'm saying. And that's because I think some people just, they just, they swim in the ocean of grace, right? Grace, 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 grace. And they miss out. Notice I said they didn't, they didn't do or they, they need to. I'm not putting people on a guilt trip today. They miss out on the beauty of the sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost in your life. So that's God. God is holy. Here's the second area biblically we see that God, uh, that holiness resides. It's in places and things. So God is holy and there is this idea in scripture that there are places and certain things that are holy. For those of you who've been to the Holy Land with me, you have seen the holy city called Jerusalem. If you've never been, I hope you'll go with me. We'll probably go in a few years. We'll go back. Um, about every other year, we take a, a, a cruise to the journeys of Paul. We hit all the, the Pauline islands, which is fantastic. And then on the other years, we go to the Holy Land and uh, we save it for the very end. We ride into Jerusalem, into the holy city as the sun is setting and we're listening to worship music and it's one of the most unbelievable things you've ever done. But there's something about Jerusalem and it's why the scriptures call it the holy city. When, you're, when you stand on top of the Mount of Olives and you, you look down into Jerusalem, they might, yeah, there's some pictures. You look down into Jerusalem, you feel it. You feel it deep in your bones. And then when you make your way into Jerusalem and you go through the walls that have been there for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years and they've been destroyed and rebuilt and you just step in there or you go to Calvary and you see where Jesus Christ was crucified, it is Holy, I think of Mount Sinai. One morning at three o'clock in the morning, this was a different trip, this was when I was at Duke, we got on the back of camels and we rode up Mount Sinai at three o'clock in the morning to watch the sunrise where Moses received the 10 commandments. In the scriptures, that's called the holy mountain, right? There's something about it. If you've been to Bethlehem and, and to get to the Church of the Nativity, it's really cool. The only way to get there is a giant building, three different uh, religious uh, groups still meet there today. But to get into where Jesus, where antiquity teaches us that Jesus was born, you have to get down on your knees and go through this door that's about that big. And I've always loved that because it's symbolic of the fact that if you're going to approach the Christ child, you need to go low. You need to humble yourself. There's, there's certain things that are the Sea of Galilee. Oh, my Lord. I've been, to, I've been to places all over the world, but I'm gonna tell you something. This is one of the most beautiful places on the planet today. In fact, if you wanna try to combine a vacation, a lovely vacation, with some spiritual growth and development, seriously, go to the Sea of Galilee. They got, they, it's kind of weird because you, you're always thinking about it from the biblical uh, perspective, but now they have these awesome hotels all around the Sea of Galilee. They do boat tours. I mean, people out there skiing and stuff like that. It's wild. But, but <laughs> seriously, it's, 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 kinda, it's a, a mixture of a lot of different things. But I've never been to a place where I sense the holiness and the presence of God when I get out on the water on the Sea of Galilee. In the scriptures, there are certain things and places that are holy. Here's one. Um, I refer to it, and staff have kind of ridiculed me about this and asked me why I do it. Like, I refer to the Eucharist as holy communion. Holy communion. And sometimes staff are like, well, what? I've never called it holy communion. Does that, does that mean that I've never really had communion before? No. But why do, you, why do you call it holy communion, pastor? Because it's holy. 
It's the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe the waters of baptism are holy. And I might say so, I believe the church is holy ground. I believe you step foot in any Jesus-exalting, God-honoring church, any of our New Hope campuses, any other great churches around the world, and if you'll turn your spiritual thermometer on, you'll start to pick up on the holiness of God. One more before I move on to Christians. And I'm gonna camp out on this for a moment because it worries me greatly. I believe in this day and age, we've lost the realization and the recognition that this book is holy. Pausing intentionally here. I would dare say that the reason we see our world and particularly America going in the direction that she is going is because we have lost our respect and our honor and our reverence for this book. Have you ever looked at America and wondered, how can so many Christians be diametrically opposed on so many things? How can we be the United States of America in name, but in reality, we're the divided States of America? Here's how we don't have a common authoritative script. We don't have a common anchor to hold us in the midst of the storms. And for many people, this sacred text has become nothing more than bathroom literature. And it worries me. It grieves me. All the issues that we face today, I believe in some way, shape, or form, can be addressed and gleaned from the scriptures. I did not say that the scripture speaks about every contemporary issue. I did not say that. And I did not say that there are not tension points in the scripture where things are, they're at odds and maybe there's some, it's not always black and white and there's a little gray and we gotta learn to live in the gray when the scriptures are in the gray. You say, well, come on, get, get, back, to the, get back to the series. Okay, First Peter. Peter goes there. That's why I'm going there. Verse 23. For you have been born again. If you've been born again, can I hear a strong amen? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> that's good. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Let's continue. For all people are like grass. This will humble you. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers. And the flowers fall. Hey, we're gonna wither, we're gonna fall. Life is short, right? But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This book is a sacred book inspired by God, canonized by the early church fathers and is holy scripture. Notice the imperishability of the word. Without biblical truth, we are like a ship being tossed in a storm with no anchor to hold us in place. Notice the word is living and enduring. Circle those words in the text. Notice that we are like grass and flowers, wither and fall, but what stands forever, church? The word of the Lord 
stands forever. And if, and I can tell you're, you're into this subject of holiness today, if this is a passion of yours, a desire of yours, you will never experience it unless this book becomes authoritative, relevant, and applicable in your life. And unless and until you become a student of this book, I mean a true student, digging into the text, learning to read it for yourself, learning to feed yourself. Here's a big statement. It's, it's, it's a big statement, and, and I, I wanna share it with you. It's, it's, it's just what I put down my heart for the subject. We will never experience personal holiness, transformation without a deep respect, surrender, and application of the holiness and authority of the Bible. And so it gives me a chance to encourage you and inspire you and challenge you to get into the word of God, to become this student. Look at 1 Peter 2, 1 and 3. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. If you're a new Christian, you might, it might be time for you to get out of the high chair, if you know what I mean. Get out of the high chair and grow up. That's not my language. Watch, he gets there. So that by it you may what? Grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is what? Good. How's your craving for the word of the Lord? I know, man, I know life is hard. We get busy. And our time with the Lord in the word starts to fall by the wayside. You can read it. Something I've really been into a lot lately is listening to it. Hey, here's a great app. That's not in my notes either. Dwell, write that down. Dwell Bible app. D-W-E-L-L, dwell. It's awesome. All these cool like, you know, voices, those that make you feel like you're in the presence of God. You got all kinds of voices you can listen to. You got all kinds of uh, ways that, that you can hear the scriptures read if you watch it, some beautiful scenes. So sometimes I'm just hanging around and I'm just, I just, I don't feel like reading, you know what I mean? You ever, you ever like that? Like you don't feel like reading? You can just listen to the word of God, which by the way, is not, is not a sacrifice at all. The, the audible word of God was the way they originally heard the word of God. There's power in listening. You can ride down the road now and listen to the scriptures. Thomas Schrainer highlights this Greek word, and it's really hard to say. I've been working on it all week long, and I'm sure I'm gonna get it, get it jacked up a little bit. Epipathosate, epipathosate. It, 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 this is idea of craving, and, and the commentator says this. Peter's purpose was to say that all believers should be like infants in this sense, they should crave, crave, epipathosate, the pure spiritual milk. The word crave is a strong one used of the ardent desire believers should have for God in the Bible. 
And if you're like, I don't desire that, I don't crave that, hey, thank you for being honest, at least with God, pray that God would give you a craving and a desire for the word of the Lord. Start looking at different ways to read it. There's all kinds of apps. I've shared one. I still believe in old school. I love just to take out the text and read it and highlight and underline it. But let me just encourage you, do whatever you need to do to get into the word of God. This is why the mission of this church in the very center of our mission is what? Teach, reach, teach, and release. At the very heartbeat of this church is teaching, trying our best anyway to teach the word of God. Can I get an amen? That's why right here, some of you might not know this, right here, before we laid the concrete, before the carpet and the stage was here, we knew this was the teaching point. We buried a big giant Bible right here in the concrete. That's why when we build buildings or launch campuses, we invite new hopers out to write scripture on the walls of those buildings or in the floor before we lay the carpet. This is why we try to make sure everybody who serves around here, these people who are on stage, I love it, they're in here right now. They don't, they're not prima donnas who lead worship and then go and sit in the green room and check Facebook and Instagram. They get out here and they lean into the word of God. It's so important. And, and, and when you really understand this, I'll, I'll get off of this in just a moment, but it's really, I'm really passionate about it. When you really understand it, you will not accept going long periods of time without reading the word of the Lord by yourself, nor will you accept going long periods of time without coming under great biblical teaching. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying I'm a great biblical teacher. I'll let you judge that. It's not about me. This is why when, when you're in a church and, and all of you are so dialed in and engaged today, and I know sometimes it's the responsibility of the preacher, right? But this is why we would, you, you, you wouldn't want to think that in a message you would leave the word of the Lord to check Facebook or do your grocery list or your to-do list this coming week. I'm not preaching at you. I feel the same conviction when I'm tempted and there's somebody preaching and I'll pull out the phone and my mind starts to wonder and I tell myself, hopefully it's the Holy Spirit that convicts me and I'm like, no, put that down. Lean in to the word of the Lord. What is God saying? It's not about some mere mortal who puts his pants on just like you do sitting up here talking. It is about us as a church, you and me together in this experience. Listen, you're not the audience. I'm not a performer. God is the audience. And we worship God, come on, we worship God. And we say, this is your holy text. And when I'm tempted to, to wonder and stray and get distracted, no, 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 no. Slap me upside the head, Holy Ghost. <laughs> and get my butt back in line. That This is God's word. And I need it. Thy word, the psalmist says, is a light unto my path. Right, a light unto my feet. Lastly, lastly, in the Old and the New Testament, holy or holiness is attached to God, is attached to places and things, and we'll end here today, is attached to you and me. If you're a Christian, God's calling, God's anointing, God's transformative work of the Holy Ghost in your life 
is to bring you to semblance, some semblance of Jesus Christ and holiness. And that should be so exciting to you. You and I are his crowning creation. Go back and read Genesis. He creates it all. But oh my, when he creates humanity, male and female, we are his crowning creation. We are to reign and have stewardship over everything else. And his desire is to bring about holiness. Here's a great verse. Put this to memory this week, okay? 1 Peter 1.16, quoting the Old Testament. Ready, go. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. At all of our campuses, really strong. I want you to put this to memory. Ready, go. For it is written, be holy because I am Be holy because I am holy. Now, I don't have time today to talk about the plethora of ways in which God desires to bring about holiness in our lives. To get that, you gotta get in the word, right? It's too many to talk about. But it's really, really important that you understand this next verse, verse 22. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere, sincere what, church? Come on, sincere what? Everybody say love. love. Sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Two things I wanna say about this and we'll wrap up. Notice that the ultimate embodiment of holiness is love. So basic and elementary, right? So hard to live out. Deep love. Deep love where? From the heart. Deep love for one another. It starts in the household of God. So even though we're kind of socially distanced, which I can't stand, I'm telling you when this thing is over, I'm hugging every single one of you. And I expect all of you to come from the campuses at least one Sunday so I can hug your neck. This is kind of awkward to teach this right now because to me, love is expressive, right? Love is an action. That's why I can't stand this season that we're in. But hey, we will get through it, amen? But, but Peter makes it clear that it starts in the household of God and then it goes out from there. So the first thing, if you're a note taker, jot that down. The ultimate embodiment of holiness in your life is love for God and love for people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you wanna pursue holiness, pursue loving people. Genuine loving people from the heart. Here's the second thing. This is key, this is key, this is key. You have a role to play in your holiness. Throw that verse back up there. You have a role to play in your holiness. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. You have a role to play. Yes, salvation is free. You guys have heard me say over and over and over, Christianity is not about what I do, right? It's about what he's done. 
Again, we hear that sometimes and we start to think, well, there's nothing for me to really do. He already did it all. No, no, no. Scripture teaches I am to purify myself. Scripture teaches that I am to obey the truth. Scripture teaches that I am to lay my life on the anvil of God's transformative work so that in this faith journey, I'm more like Christ today than I was yesterday. I'm more like Christ this year than I was last year. And yes, we'll go up and down, and yes, we'll fall short. And this is where I talked about last week, confession and repentance. Every time I sin, to keep my heart tender, to realize that sin grieves and breaks my relationship with God. So I'm gonna confess it, I'm gonna repent it, I'm gonna be restored to God. And as you live a life of that, and you keep trying to purify yourself and sanctify yourself in the word of God, you actually start to take on holiness. And you actually start to become like Christ. I turned 50 uh, last week. Instead of clapping, can you tell me how that happened? Like, what? And um, the executive team did a retreat at the beach on my birthday, and we just did some R&R, but did some work and just, just hung out and they just blessed me beyond words. And we were at dinner uh, in the beach house, not out. We were, we were having dinner. And after dinner, one of the spouses of one of the pastors um, said, hey, what, what do you desire in this next year? And it kind of caught me off guard, but it wasn't hard to answer at all. Um, as most of you know, 2020 has been a really tough year for me. And I've been through some tough stuff. And... Um, I'm navigating it as good as I can and uh, covet your prayers and all of that. But without hesitating, I, I answered, you know, my goal, my desire in turning 50 is that in this next year, I will work and dig in to the Lord Jesus like never before and become the very best person I can be that I will, I will get into the word of God like never before and, and really lay my life before God that he would transform me like never before. My, my prayer, I went on to say, is that, that I will become as healthy and as whole as I can be emotionally, physically, spiritually, as a leader, as a servant leader, all of those things. And, and I would covet your prayers in that. But I'm praying the same for you. What if we looked towards the new year and it started today and we moved towards 2021? Oh God, we need a new year, do we not? Right? And we, and we say, you know what? I'm going to pursue God in all those areas of my life like I've never pursued him before. That I might be holy. It's my prayer for you, and I beg your prayers for me. Speaking of prayer, why don't we, why don't we pray together? Father, um, this is a subject matter that is so beautiful and relevant for us. And God, I can only imagine that there are people here as I have been at many times in my life where I just feel like I'm stalled out. 
And I feel like, God, even though I know you and I'm saved by your grace and your truth and your gospel, I don't see the life change that I need inside. I see life change in other places, in other areas in this church. But God, I desire that life change. And if you're here today and you desire that, I'm just wondering if you would make that your prayer today. This is not a salvation call. Of course, if you don't know Christ and you desire to receive him today, just ask him into your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you to be my savior first and foremost. But for those of you who are Christians and you're here at a campus today or maybe you're online and you feel stalled, you feel complacent, you feel lethargic, you feel a little spiritually lazy and 2020 is beating you up a little bit as well and you don't, you don't sense that you're growing like you need to. I wanna encourage you right now to just make that your prayer, to just say, Lord Jesus, I want to become holy. I wanna grow again. In the words of 1 Peter, I want to grow up. So Father, I lay my life before you. Say these words, I submit and surrender to the authority of your word. Forgive me of my sins, God, and when I fall short, bring me back to you through confession and repentance and continue, oh God, to shape me into the image of Jesus. And I pray it in his name, amen.